0: Hello again, Pastor Deborah, for God be love, love is here ministries. And this is series two of mental health and the forever person. In the first series, which had seven episodes, we talked about a math, a new math, called one plus one plus one. This series, which is beginning Uh, Today, and I'll have many different episodes in it, is entitled The Three Realms. This is going to be a little introduction into these episodes that are coming. Oh my goodness, I got started a little bit early. (laughs) People are still finding their seats. Okay, oh my goodness, got a lot of people here today. From all over the world, because the videos are starting to get known and some of my stories, they're incredible, are starting to be heard because they have been silent for many, many years. But this new series of both the webcams and the podcast, Mental Health and the Forever Person. This new series, like I said, is entitled The Three Realms. In these episodes, there will be quite a few, we're going to dig a little deeper into ourselves and the three realms that our mental health and our forever person live in. The first realm, which many of us are very aware of, is called the realm of the natural, the physical body, the temporary realm. The realm that we can see out here. When you look at people, that's what we see. So that's going to be the first realm. And I'm going to break it up into several episodes to go through it. And then talk about the professions that deal with mental health. Some of the history of mental health. And some of the different uh, terminology and definitions. Because it's very Real vital for you in your learning to understand terms and definitions. Most of us don't know what people are talking to us, the doctors or our therapists in the mental health world. They sort of know. Uh, Not a lot of people have a lot of history of it. We're getting it in bits and pieces uh, all over. A lot of wonderful sayings on LinkedIn, a lot of posts. A lot of people are trying so hard to encourage us and give us words and give us some life skills and life coaching to help us. But it's hard when you only have so many nanoseconds on LinkedIn for a post. Or you go to your therapist or your psychiatrist or your primary care physician and they're under a lot of time pressure and they got to, sort of move us in and move us out so we're going to talk about in the first set of episodes that area of the three realms the second realm will be the realm of your soul which as i have taught you before has a conscious awareness part and a subconscious part and we're going to talk about precepts and concepts and beliefs and thoughts and your mind and pictures and your five senses and how all of that is more intricately involved in your mental health it should be pretty exciting if you've never studied it then the third realm is the realm of the spirit it is the realm that the forever person lives in Now a lot of people know about it I see them all the time in that realm it's not a spooky realm but some people make it very spooky and it is very it's very much with us here on planet earth it has good stuff and bad stuff in it that is where our forever person lives and i'm going to go into a little bit more detail about the forever person and how he is related to and how he is affected by and how the world the realm of the natural the physical body and the soul affect it so that all three realms are involved in mental health And they're all involved in the healing part of it. And so I wanted to just give you this introduction before I get started with episode one, so you'll be aware of what's coming. There'll be lots of different episodes. You know me, I like to talk a lot. And I have a lot of people listening, and they're here with us now. And so I just wanted to let you know, welcome again to a new series of Mental Health and the Forever Person. The Three Rounds. It will be up on the webcam, on YouTube, on the website, www.godbeloveishere.org. It will be put on the podcast of Mental Health and the Forever Person, which you can get to from the website. And I will also podcast it on out and uh, so you can listen to it wherever you are. And uh, so this is real vital because the world and all of humanity are dealing with the mental health. And the forever person. Those two realms are connected. They are on planet earth. And we have so many issues. And everybody. Every nation. every organization, The UN. Every loving faith based person. Every loving faith based. Every religion. Everybody is trying to solve these problems. So I'm trying to come in. And just give you some basic information that when you're out there and you're trying to get healed or find a proper uh, person to help you that you'll have a little bit of information that you can ask some intelligent questions you can research all this out love it's on youtube it's out on the internet wikipedia so you become an informed person so you can know how to find the healing that you need And a little bit more about the mental health and the forever person. So this is the introduction to the new series of mental health and the forever person, the three realms. And they are again, that's right, the natural realm, which includes the physical body, that is correct. And the mental, emotional realm, that is correct. That deals with the soul, its conscious and its subconscious, and the realm of the spirit. Yay! That's right. So we're going to be going into those in more detail. I can't take you right there, jump you off and throw you into the deep end of the pool where I live most of the time because it takes a lot of work to get there. you got to learn to swim. you got to learn to bob your head under the water, hold your breath, uh, all kinds of things before you can get a lot of realizations of what's going on. But welcome. I hope to get this up today as quick as I can I am multitasking Tomorrow, and which is Saturday and Sunday I will be in two days of training on suicide prevention and support group for the community uh, One of the people that's learning how to uh, help them Because it's suicide is in every place, It's ever, even in the jails and the prisons okay. We just heard about a big case about that one uh, Right here in America so, is suicide real? Yes. Is it happening to, to every na- in every nation and every culture? Yes. Is it happening to every profession, men, boy, children? Yes. I have known five-year-old kids tried to kill themselves. No, you don't. If they come out of heavy-duty abuse, they will. So, this is the introduction, the three realms. I hope you enjoy it and hope you come back. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah. Look at the board, bank your notes, get you a new notebook or tablet or whatever you use, and make the notes. See you in a bit. <clears throat> Hello again. Pastor Deborah here of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries. And this is episode two of the new series entitled Mental Health and the Forever Person The Three Realms. What? Okay. Make sure everybody has paper, pencils. Some of my faithful students are never quite sure, and I don't broadcast it, when I'm going to be recording. But if they happen to learn real quickly, they They get into the garden. And today we're back out under the trees because the king, he was real pleased. And today I'm going to take you through some other... Excuse me, my glasses are slipping. It is so hot here in Pensacola. We're waiting for October to come so we can break the weather. But I'm going to take us into episode two. We left off where mental health issues, disorders, jealousy, greed... Uh, rejection, uh, shame, guilt, dishonor had entered into the human race and how it had produced an icky fruit called murder of one's own brother. And how then the the person that was the murderer felt really bad but he wasn't going to confess to it and he wasn't going to be responsible for his brother or even his feelings so he started running but the weight of that guilt and dishonor was so heavy that he started feeling suicidal and then he believed that everybody would find out about what he did his whole family and they would try to kill him for killing his own brother who had done nothing wrong except got a blessing By bringing the right sacrifice. So in his way of trying to escape, his name was Cain for killing his brother named Abel. Cain became very hopeless and depressed and suicidal himself. And then he was afraid of being murdered and killed for what he did. And so this higher power, this God that was the landlord of the garden, which his parents had sort of been born in, told him that he's gonna put a mark on Cain and when anybody looked at him that means anybody they had no right to kill him they didn't create him they this was between this higher power this God and this Cain. to so put a mark on Cain nobody really knows what it is but it's probably something on the spirit and what it would tell everybody was nobody had the right to kill Cain, except this landlord, is God of the garden. He was the only one who had a right to kill him. Nobody else did. Now, when he's talking, he's talking in deep spiritual language to us, but at the time, we didn't know it. Cain didn't know it, so Cain left his family, went out with his one of his uh, sisters or cousins or nieces, and they started having family. And of course he took all that ick and all that shame and dishonor and guilt and that murderous spirit and rebellion with him into the marriage and I'm sure it wasn't very good. And he probably suffered greatly deep on the inside and to relieve some of the pressure I bet you he took it out on his wife maybe kicked the dog or maybe abused his children or something because the pressure mounts up and you need a release now we don't know that but it didn't get any better and because we can see today canes are everywhere so today we're going to go a little bit more into the natural part of mental health and how it is connected to the forever person my question to you is We were told that Cain lost some kind of light, lost the spirit of life, this agape love in his heart, for his brother. Somehow he got an attitude, even toward this higher power that seemed to be the landlord of this garden that the children did not grow up in, but the father and mother, which was Adam and this lady, this woman named Eve, which means the mother of all living. And the only thing that was alive was flesh, icky stuff, as we see in Cain. And I didn't tell you on the first thing, but Cain uh, was what happened in the garden when Adam was the one who was told, don't eat of that particular fruit of that tree because it's just don't do it. Well, his wife did not hear that, and she went and picked it and listened to some snaky thing, some serpent, shining being. She picked it and ate it, nothing happened. But when he did, this governor, this light left. Because it was the spirit part of us that gets the commandments. And what happened was because of disobedience, and we see it in our own kids, that when you disobey, you rebel. For whatever reason, we try to hide, and cover it up. They, they took some fig leaves and they covered themselves up because they could now see their biological bodies. They were ashamed of it. They had lost a brilliant, bright light that had covered them. They, they were innocent. They didn't know any uh, shame and dishonor. But now they did and so what happened was when this landlord comes down and he first goes to the woman and says what'd you do oh wasn't my fault that snaky thing that talked to me he deceived me and he bewitched me it's not my fault so then this landlord goes to Adam and says what'd you do ain't my fault It's that woman that you gave me, that you made for me. She caused me to eat. And you told me I was married to her and I got to do whatever she tells me to do, so I did. So it's her fault. And it's your fault because you gave her to me. Ain't my fault. I'm just doing what I was told to do, minding my own business, following along. It's your fault landlord, and it's her fault, not mine. Well, that didn't go over very well. Now, how many of us have parents and people have heard people say that? Not me. Somebody else. Kids do it. Did you go in the cookie jar? No, sir. No. no. We point the finger at somebody else, but never it is. So that was Cain's parents. And Cain got their DNA, got their genetics, their biological stuff. It all got mutated right then and there as soon as that spirit of life left. The genes lost something. Some other thing came in. Now, this woman was not named Eve at the time. They had no children. So their sperm and their eggs were completely Genetically altered. Protection that they had was gone. Their shame was there. Their dishonor was there. They're kicked out of their only home they ever knew. Kicked out by their only sort of parent they ever knew. So when Cain is born, these are the kind of parents he gets born to, called a toxic mess. We would call it now uh, acute childhood experiences. And I'm sure Adam and Eve were very sweet at times, but very angry, uh, just mad. So mental health really came in right from get-go. Now, this episode, we're going to come down from there. And I want to tell you how healing sort of came in. To bring healing to humanity, another child was born to Adam and Eve. Name was Seth. Now Abel is dead. Cain, the oldest, is gone. Seth comes along, and he starts doing the things he's supposed to do with the right attitude. So he starts bringing in a healing into the world. Of love, joy, and peace. He's not angry. He's down a few, maybe years from his other brothers, so healing was possible, and we were learn that it did. There is healing here on planet Earth. Now, as Cain goes out into the world, it gets nasty. It gets bad. It just keeps going and going. And there's a lot of other biblical stories about that, and in your uh, Quran, and in your Jewish, and in a lot of ancient manuscripts about what happened, which are some bad stories. Because we end up with a flood, because things got really bad, a lot of mental health, bad animals, bad people. But once the flood was over with, and man starts coming back again, slowly nothing was changed, the genes were not changed. Uh, Some more gene mutations started happening, uh, as I told some, um, and things were not going very well for humanity. Uh, People actually started uh, having issues. They would call them, it seemed to come out when a full moon would come out, call them lunatics, lunacies. But what was happening even before that, when man started learning and writing, they knew there was a spiritual component to this because this human was spiritually malfunctioning, so to speak. He didn't have the love in his heart that he was supposed to. And he had so been changed through time and experiences that he wasn't a very nice person. And they couldn't figure it out they did believe that early mental health problems were of a spiritual nature, had a spiritual component, and your early sages and your early uh, spiritual people were your first doctors. And people would bring them, and there'd be prayer and maybe incense, and they'd be praise and worship or something. They were trying to worship something. And they discovered that some evil spiritual things had entered into this system and causing these people to really act very bizarre and odd then as time went on and man learned writing they learned how to uh, write books and we we move into Greece and we move into the early doctors opening up the physical body trying to find out what organ was not working right. They looked into animals to try to see what was wrong. They tried. They thought maybe it was the blood. They didn't know what they called for, humors. So they would bleed you to try to get out this bad stuff. They knew there was bad stuff in us. They didn't know what was causing it. They didn't know where it was from. But they knew people were acting weird. I don't think that was the word they used abnormal, they couldn't function in society, uh, they were killing people, they were hurting people, and there were some very caring people trying to figure it out. So a lot of your very early BCE doctors, Hippocrates, some of your philosophers, were looking into the mind, the brain, the biological body, trying to find what are the answers And I wrote a great article for NASCA, the National Association of Adult Children of Childhood Abuse. And it goes through a Time Magazine article about some of this history. So even back in those days, back in Rome, back in India, every every nation was looking. They all had the problem because this was a disease, an illness in the entire species of humanity. They didn't know what it was. They barely knew about the body. And so they all were studying and looking. They knew nothing about germs or viruses at this time. That didn't come along until Pasteur and uh, rabies and things like that in the 16th, 17, 1800s. But in the BCE days, they were trying to figure it out. They had them. And they were trying everything they could do. And try to find the source and some of the things were not very nice one of the things was called trepanning they believed there was something bad inside the brain well they didn't really know what the brain was so they cut a hole in it and they least believe a door now was open and this evil thing could leave if you go back into Egypt they didn't put much stock in the brain But they knew about demons, they knew about chaos, they knew about gods and goddesses. They knew there was bad things and you needed protection. So they're getting it. They did believe that man could be part animal, uh, part man. Uh, They had people going into trances. They had magicians that worked with powers. They were looking, they were trying to answer dreams, they were trying to figure out problems. Very smart, intelligent people. Uh, but and, and through time, it changed. And then you get into like the 1700s and some of the first lunatic, lunacy asylums were built. They were not very pretty because they had to get the people off the streets. Some of them were very, uh, we might consider the ones we see uh, in California, in San Francisco, and some of the streets that are homeless. They would pick them up and lock them into dungeons and put handcuffs and treat them very horribly. They didn't know what to do with them. They tried every kind of possible known medicine. Ah, uh, That didn't work very well. And eventually, somewhere along the line, some people said, that's not the humane way to treat people, so let's have a more nice way. Let's not tie them up. Let's build sanitariums. If you want to see a great movie about uh, probably early on it's called snake pit black and white excellent this lady had some issues and she ends up in a mental institution an asylum and it's not pretty now i have volunteered in state hospitals and i've been on psych wards so i know what happens i've been around the people that you would see in the snake pit we also that movie one flew over to cuckoo's nest was that stuff go on yes it does Because people don't know what to do with them. Some of the people with money would get sent to very nice places. But because they were an embarrassment and a shame and a dishonor on the family, they would ship them away. And they didn't know what to do with them. And they didn't know how to treat them. I'm sure they tried everything. You know, steam baths, aromatherapy, electric shock starvation didn't have a lot of medication at the time and uh wasn't pretty so that went on for a long long time in mental health problems and the ones the ones who were medical doctors started specializing in psychiatry which actually was a study of the mind and the brain and they sort of got into competition, and still are, with the neurologist who study the brain. And so we sort of had a schism occur between psychiatry and neurologist. And the psychiatrist started looking at the brain. He, he first was a medical doctor. And then he started trying to figure out maybe there's chemicals that aren't imbalanced. Uh, Maybe their thoughts aren't right. Their mind is not right from, for some reason. And most of the people early in the seventeen, eighteen hundreds 1800s, and even 1900s, were very severely disabled, what you would call mental health problems, who were locked away in institutions, in asylums, taken away uh, from society. There wasn't much outpatient. There wasn't any group therapy support groups. And a lot of times people believed it was a moral issue and they weren't religious enough and it put a stain on the people. Uh, One thing you may not know there was a great uh, show on television called The Alienist. And it was back in England, I think. And they were trying to figure out why a person would go and do such horrible things to children. Because this was alien to what they believed was the basic nature of a human and its moral nature and most people don't realize where you get your moral guidance your morals it's usually out of your religion your church your synagogue your mosque they tell you what is right and what to do and when you deviate outside of that that's where the word deviant comes in is you're outside of that moral code and so what happened was humanity Struggled, put it along for so long. Then what happened was a psycho neuropsycholo- a neuros neurologist, excuse me, named Sigmund Freud came. And he believed there was something if I could talk to the people, there was their dreams were telling me something. And this was something different than a neurological problem that a medical doctor. So he started doing psychoanalysis, which is called talking. He did somebody lay on a sofa and he'd say a word and they'd say a word and he'd just let them talk. Sometimes he probably hypnotized them. Um, As we know, there's all kinds of medicines you can take now that will give you true serum. He believed that there were some hidden things and he started looking at the mind of a person. He says, oh, I got a conscious awareness. You're in my office. You're laying on the sofa. You're aware of that. You're aware you're alive. That's your conscious awareness. But deep inside of you there's something called the subconscious the hidden man that's been hurt wounded has some issues and we need to talk to him and we need to figure out what's going on with this guy and so sometimes they use hypnosis they may have used drugs to get to that guy uh, to find some answers then uh, Freud also believed in something called the unconscious which He wasn't quite sure if that was spiritual or what, but he knew there was an intersection of all these parts, and he started doing talk, what they would call talk therapy. And uh, now he was in with a lot of spiritual issues himself, and uh, he was accepted uh, for a long, long time, and then a lot of people started doing research. But that's sort of some of the history. How did we get to where we are today? From psychiatry came something called the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the DSM. And that was in connection with, I believe, I'm not quite sure, the World Health Organization and the American Psychiatric Society doctors. Said if we're going to have insurance, which is what it's involved, and we're going to diagnose somebody's mental problems we are going to need some numbers and some list of criteria and some things so the psychiatrist came up with the DSM Now it has gone through many many revisions and so when they come you come into their office They ask you questions. You may not know why, but they're looking for criteria, how long you've had these symptoms. Uh, They're looking to see how prevalent. Some people could have two or three issues going on at the same time. For instance, you could have a substance abuse problem and a mental health problem. Then they enter these numbers into their system, and a lot of those numbers go off to the insurance companies. To pay the psychiatrist for his diagnosing and his treating with psychiatric problems you can't quite do an x-ray take your blood work you can do that but you're not going to see anger and bitterness rejection you're not going to find a blood test for murderers or pedophiles or anything else it's just not there so they had to ask you questions And they were hoping that you would tell them the truth. Of course, you could lie. they developed a lot of different tests. The Beck Depression Scale, the Minnesota Multiphasic, the MMPI. To deal with personality, there's anxiety, which I really get, um, I wish they would use the real word. Anxiety, it means fear of death. You are, when you get anxious... And feeling anxiety, you are feel like you are going to die. You are feeling like Cain, they are going to kill me. Death is around you, you feel it, you sense it, you are afraid you're going to die. And that is what anxiety is. And a lot of times we take that word and we go, oh, I'm so anxious to meet you. No, we should say, I am eager to meet you. So these words get all mixed up. A lot of times if you talk to the medical community, they do not like full moons because something happens to people. And that's where the word lunatic and lunacy came about from the lunar phases of the moon. And that full moons, it seemed to cause people more problems. Now, if you get into the occult world and the spiritual world where the forever person is, you'll learn about the full moon and about some things that do agitate spiritual atmosphere so for some reason you know it seems kind of weird but that's what they do so we are now here come up to sort of modern day and we have psychiatrists we have social workers who are licensed to treat to diagnose and treat we have mental health counselors licensed professional counselors we have psychiatric nurses we have psychiatric techs we have all kinds of people that are trying to help people who are having a mental or a biological problem there's talk therapy, there's medicine, there's aromatherapy there is uh, good nutrition so what happens is oops, sorry about my hair, I wasn't quite ready when I started filming, recording even forgot to put my lipstick on. But we'll get through this. All right, so then what happened was the police get involved, as we know. Baker acts, Marchman X, March Man X uh, mandatory into the hospital you go. Uh, you can't handle yourself behaviors. Nobody knows what's going on. And it falls to these professionals to try to figure it out. Well, we don't have, I'll tell you some history. Back in the nineteen sixties and seventies, most states still had state mental institutions. And it didn't take but maybe your husband, spouse, one person, and a doctor signed some papers, and you were gone and you weren't coming out. And they weren't very pretty, they weren't very clean, weren't very comforting, nurturing at all. And uh, So a lot of people, advocates in mental health, started speaking up that we should bring these people home, treat them in our communities. So money flowed uh, here in America through the government, and mental health centers were built, and psychiatric hospitals. But the problem is the families don't know what to do. The money dried up. Now you have the homeless problem and substance abuse. So here we are. We're in a mess. What do you do? You have people living out on the streets. You have people hurting children, animals. You have children killing children. You have men having sex with children. You have child pornography. What is going on? How do we solve this problem? What are the answers? We have mental health. We have biological bodies involved. We have thoughts. We have concepts that are involved. Do we have the forever person involved Yes. In this? Because he is one with the soul until a separation can occur and we can sort of divorce them out. And so the spirit has a lot of power, but it's in darkness and ignorance. And it's really like this, and it's just behind the scene. And it is pulled around by the soul. Now the soul part and the mental health, I'll tell you a little bit, it's quite capable of disassociating creating others uh, during trauma Uh, the spirit will leave the body uh, and to get away from things escape so we have a big mess most of your mental health counselors psychiatrists Uh, social workers, nurses, they're all very caring and loving people. They do not like to see their fellow humans hurting and uh, in such pain in their mind trying to kill themselves, uh, having substance abuse problems, hurting other people, hurting animals. They don't know what to do. A lot of pastors are not involved in this. They have no training in it. Uh, They do not They just refer them to the psychiatrist. And so in psychiatry, we have different beliefs. Um, I can remember when I was going through college. That was many, many years ago. There was a lot of different people that were trying to figure out mental health problems. One of them became behavioralists. They believed that we were just an animal, and if we can train you through pain and pleasure, you'll change your behaviors. Other people believed you had some unresolved issues you needed to talk about, cry about, write letters about, get it out, get that negative energy out. Other people believe you just got some wrong, what they call stinking thinking. You got some wrong feelings. You've interpreted a situation wrongly. Uh, you don't want to look at it. And if we can talk through your feelings and why you did what you did, we can, we believe you'll have those aha moments and you go oh, I misinterpreted what they did to me and people have been traumatized since little children they have been abused they don't know what to think and they're 50, 60 years later still dealing with it uh, people go, first responders they're dealing with post trauma from their experiences a lot of people having horrible dreams there's not a lot of stuff about dream work what it means what's going on so the psychiatrist he's the top and what he believes in is medication and if, if he has to do um, hypnosis he'll do that to try to reach that hidden man if he believes we need to do some electrical shock to get the chemical electrical thing in your brain back on its right electrical system, if that works, then your depression stops, these thoughts stop. I used to work with a lot of schizophrenics. heard a lot of voices. And in psychiatry, they will tell you, I don't know what causes it. I don't know if you have a brain problem first, some chemical gets off. You're overworked. You're up three or four days, then you start hearing things. So if we get you rest, get you some medication, the voices go away. Other people believe the voices came first, but they don't know what the voices are. And some of your schizophrenics, there was an excellent movie called The Beautiful Mind, Russell Crowe played in it, excellent true story. And I've seen enough. Uh, if you study it enough, you will learn. That they are seeing things, they're hallucinating, they're hearing voices. And to the mental health world, that's not normal. But I had um, one pastor. uh, He was talking to some young people. And he said, if you happen to hear the voice of God inside of you, talking to you, guiding you, you're hallucinating. He doesn't do that anymore. And so you even have the religious community telling you that if you hear the voice of a higher power, you have some mental health issues. But at the same time, in the cult world, we have people that have direct contact and channel spiritual beings, uh, sages, imams, Jewish people. They're in prayer. They hear voices. Some people are seeing angels. But they're not considered to be crazy or mean to have mental health problems they're in connection to a spiritual world a lot of us go to get our hands read in tarot cards. we uh, get palm reading we're trying to get some help from a higher power that the person that's doing it seems to be in connection to great movie to watch on that is Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze now she was not considered mentally ill. Some of your early, early Catholic people, they were hearing studied Joan of Arc. She heard from the Archangel Gabriel. But the Catholic uh, hierarchy didn't hear it. So they punished her. Burned her at the stake. So we have multiple things going on in humanity. And the one who decides if you are mentally ill is what you call the psychiatrist. And when you get into the DSM, and I'll tell you some history about that, is they decided that you can hear all the voices you want to hear, but as long as you can go to work, maintain a relationship that's appropriate, and you don't beat up your spouse, beat your kids, and you can make a living, you're not mentally ill. So I'll tell you a story. This is true. The time I got into it, homosexuality was in the DSM as a mental illness. So if you had those behaviors, you were considered mentally ill, a deviant. But according to the DSM and the World Health Organization, their criteria... Was if you could not maintain a long term relationship within boundaries and appropriate and affection, not hurt and not do that, if you could hold a job, you you were a good citizen and you voted and you followed the laws, if you did those things, you were not mentally ill. So the homosexuals, here in America at least, rose up and said, We do all that, we're all got education. We're in committed relationships 20, 30 years. We wear suits and ties. We go to work. We're the law enforcement first responders in the military. We're not mental. What we choose to do is not a mental health disorder. So it was actually uh, taken out of the DSM. And it was never classified again as a mental health disorder. Because their criteria was you have to have improper relationships. Cannot work. Uh, You have, we'll call them deviant, alien behaviors that don't go along with the moral or the religious, what they say you're to do. So if you were in any religion and they tell you do this do that do that and you decide I just not going to do that do you become mentally ill and you refuse to follow their religious codes or whatever so that happened probably back in the I don't know 80s maybe and so the DSM is a way of a psychiatrist now licensed, when I was licensed as a mental health counselor. I had to study psychiatry, psychology. The test was all about history and philosophies of different people. I don't know why. But the, when you got your license, after two years of supervision and counseling, you could legally sit down with anybody, diagnose a mental health problem, and you could legally treat it and charge money for it. I used to work in a rehabilitation hospital here in Pensacola. I'd spend 20 minutes with a person in a spinal cord injury, and I could charge the insurance companies for an hour I was a money maker for the hospital because that's why you get paid, insurance. So you have numbers, because insurance works with numbers. So it's a system. uh, But when you start dealing with the forever person, as I I think, I don't know which state I've told this on. I was involved with some Satanists who lived in my home, young girls, uh, grew up in families, severely abused, had a lot of problems seeing a psychologist. But he said it was his specialty. And I said, that's fine, go. They went three times a week. One was being charged for her insurance for multiple personalities. This was before it was changed to disassociative identity disorder. Now, if you want to know what that is like, study the Three Faces of Eve, study the movie Sybil. There's a lot of good books out there and things on YouTube about people creating multiple personalities to deal with very traumatic uh, experiences. So what happened was this psychologist, in psychology or mental health, there's always protocols. You do this, if they say that, you offer this medication for this disorder. A lot of protocols, and you have to follow them because if you don't, and something happens to the person and you end up in court with malpractice, which I've said on many of those, uh, and you didn't follow your protocols, and they go ask for your notes. Even two or three years later, they can request your notes that you took during the interview and their test results that they took. And then each, um, like psychology, psychiatry, they have protocols for depression and how long they think that it's going to take to deal with this. And so these girls were going, and then he decided that there was, because of what they grew up in, spiritual Religion called Satanism, the whole family, they had some spirits in them that needed to be delivered from. So, and he wanted to meet with me and coordinate some things that were in my home because I had to take her keys at nighttime in order for her not to leave by her car and go out. And she willingly gave them to me. And Some of her many other parts did not like it. And I said, fine, as long as your psychologist tells me you're healed. You don't have these parts. I don't need to protect you. Do strong supervision. That's fine. Great. Let me know. Have him send me a letter. Well, that never happened. So a lot of her parts did not like what I was doing know curfew and get off work and there was even times when she was so frightened that she couldn't make it home from work about 10 o'clock at night my son and I would drive to where she worked we put her in the middle of us and we caravaned her home we loved her so much we did not want her to get triggered and end up in a satanic meeting or a witch's meeting and not and get in trouble so we would go and wait for her after work my son would be in the front, she would be in the middle, and I would be in the back. And we caravaned that young lady back to my house, took her car keys, so she'd be safe. Now, the enemy of that didn't like that. And they wanted this psychologist to coordinate with me. So I went into prayer. And I asked what was going on, because I don't work under him. I had been one him but I wasn't anymore so I wrote him a nice long letter and said look you deal with the mental health side according to the psychology protocols that's fine See so or three days a week do your hypnosis do your debriefing deprogramming put her on medication no problem but in my home the reason she's the way she is was that she grew up in a religion of a family and a culture that worships Satanism. It's a very abusive culture. A lot of religions are that way to the children. Christianity too. Islam, Judaism, Scientology. They're all there. And so her mental health issues came from that spiritual religion she was involved with and her foundation of it was spiritual so I told him you take care of the mental health you do it right I know your protocols I got my eye on you won't keep my eye watching you because I believe in keeping an eye on these doctors and putting some fear of God into have to." so she didn't like that either neither did he but I wasn't going to have him tell me what to do with her in my home because in the letter I said sir She is capable of killing me and my husband and my son while we sleep. She's capable of burning the house down. She's capable of seeking some bad stuff on us. And I asked him, she was his client legally patient. Would he be legally responsible for her actions in my home? If she killed me, killed my son, burned it down, would he be legally responsible She was a sick lady. He was seeing her three days a week. And he said, of course not. So I said, then you cannot tell me what to do with her in my home. I'm a spiritual person, a pastor. I deal with spiritual things. I can deal with the mental health, but I don't have the license anymore. I gave that up. But I understand it. So I had to silence him. So now we have mental health and the forever person. They're intricately woven and intersected together. You cannot minister to one without the other. And mental health has been with us since the days of humanity beginning. It's waned. It's gotten better. Religions have helped uh, because they control if it's religion. It controls your physical behaviors, but it doesn't control your thoughts so well. A lot of religion is very prejudiced against other religions. And if you try to break free of that religion out of Scientology, or you're out of Buddhism, or Hindu, or Judaism, or Islam, bad things happen to you. Why would that be if you're an, if the God and the religion you have is a loving religion? And it's there to help your spirit and your mind and your body be a better person. Surely it would not feel threatened if a person decides to go try something else. Check it out. A lot of times... Our mental health problems are caused by our culture and how our culture values a man versus a female, an adult versus a child. Some of it's traditions of our ancestors. We keep doing them, no matter what. Why? We're trying to honor our ancestors. Well, maybe we need to, they're gone. Maybe we need some new traditions so traditions and culture and religion are real important they're very much involved in somebody's mental health if you have a person who has been abused in any way by a religious pastor imam teacher leader anything there now we got a whole big mess because when you are a religious spiritual person. You represent that religion, that God, that source, that more those morals, and you violate little children, you violate women, you violate men. You are corrupt on the inside, you lie, cheat, and steal. You kill people in the name of your God. Christians do it. Jews do it. Everybody does it. We got some issues. So religion and mental health are connected. Spirituality and mental health are connected. The cultures of your nations and your land are all involved in mental health. Your ancient ancestors and what you did are involved. Your traditions of your nation are involved. The government system that runs your nation is involved. Government laws are involved in mental health. And the forever person everything in society the justice system is involved if you get sent to prison you know what they do in prison there's a philosophy in prison there's two philosophies one, time out, punishment and we're going to treat you real bad so you'll get the message and you won't do this again and they used to do that very horrible stuff demean you, dishonor you But then you had another side that said, no, no, we need to rehabilitate you, get your GED, your high school, have church, have chaplain service, be able to pray, good food. So you have these two competing things, which is culture, how to solve the problem. Then we have, as we know, in every country, we have there seems to be some laws for the rich and laws for the poor, and they don't get equal treatment. Where's that? How come when you run out of insurance you can't get mental health care or substance abuse beds? Why doesn't society have more substance abuse beds and psychiatric hospitals? Could it be the culture says it's not that important? We'll go build stadiums. We'll pay a football player millions and millions and millions of dollars just to play football and move that football but we won't take that same amount of money and build homeless shelters substance abuse treatment facilities and the reason is the insurance companies and a lot of government laws and rules control that why is it business why isn't it sports? Why do they pay their sports people more money than they could ever use to move a football, bounce a ball? Why does that get more money than trying to invest in a human being who's been abused, who's having trouble? Why do we allow the pharmaceutical companies to do what they do? Who's watching out for all these people? Is it your congressmen, your senators? Maybe they're getting paid off to look the other way. Maybe when it gets to that group of people, they don't care anymore. I told some people in the homeless shelter, uh, that a Christian homeless shelter I go to on Mondays, there's no sympathy for adults anymore who have problems. Hardly any sympathy for regularly abused children just normal child abuse but let me tell you the immigrants that are coming across the border illegally breaking into somebody else's home oh, there's money flowing for that because that's the hot topic and if they can prove they've been human trafficked the money is flowing from the government Why is some of this big business? How did money get involved in human trafficking, sex slaves? Better Business Bureau. They want cheap labor. They'll look the other way. So it's mental health problems. And what is going on in society is bigger than just psychiatry. It is a big system. And my job is to help sort of break it down. So if you are a person who is having mental health problems, you're not ignorant. You can advocate for yourself, somebody else. You can stand up, speak up, don't get taken for a ride. Okay? If you are a professional trying to help people. Why isn't it working? If you're so good and you're getting paid to do it, oh, and you're licensed now. Half of them got issues themselves and they can't even deal with their own issues and they are trying to help somebody. They ain't got nothing in themselves. I was just in a meeting and somebody who is... Uh, Trying to become a mental health therapist is so nervous. She got to play with pleat That is not going to help that person when you go in to help somebody with mental health They're going to suck every ounce of love and care and concern out of you They are empty and they will take and take and take and take and test you and test you and come back and take more and if you don't have a way to deal with that and if you've got your own issues you have not dealt with, you cannot help them. They will take everything you got because they're so needy. They're starving. And if you don't have an overflow of something, hope, encouragement, love, patience, then you cannot help them. They are struggling they'll pull you down with them if they, they don't mean to and if you can't reach go watch the last Lord of the Rings movie Frodo's hanging over the wall lost a finger they can't get back up and Odo has, Sam has to reach over the edge and reach and speak and say, don't you let go. How many tears have you cried for these people? How many nights have you gotten up and you can't sleep? How many food and fasting have you done for them? Or you just going to, just go to work. And you can't even have your own life straightened out. You got nothing to give them. They're out there. They're seeking help. They don't know where to go. They're trying everything they can. They don't know what's right. They don't know what's good. They're hearing multitudes of stuff. They don't know. They're like little children. They want to trust us. I want to believe in what we're doing is right and we have the answers and we can bring some healing to them I was with a cancer doctor and a lady walked in when Kate Spade killed herself they wanted to know if she went to heaven or hell they loved that lady but they couldn't figure out why she killed herself she was so rich she had everything But their love for her wanted to know what happened to her afterwards. And he couldn't answer it. It's a mess out here. We have to bring in everybody sitting at the table. We have to use everything we got we got to be strategizing and thinking what works, looking at history, what hasn't worked. What are we doing? These are our brothers and sisters. This is a, the family of humanity. And some people don't love them even enough to learn anything and won't go deal with their own stuff. Freud was good. He told these psychiatrists, before you can go help somebody, you're going to lay for three years on a sofa. And we're going to deal with your issues. Because you get in there with these people and your stuff is going to come up. Maybe your motives are wrong. You just want a job. Or maybe you don't fit in this thing mental health and the forever person, it requires us as helpers to be educated, full of love, knowledgeable, working overtime, practicing. You don't get to be the Super Bowl champ without giving up during the season everything to get somewhere. I got therapists won't even answer their phone calls after 5 o'clock. Why? It's just a job. I don't do that. They may. They're taught. Don't give out your personal stuff. Everybody can call me. They know where I live. They can call me 24-7 and call pastors like that. There are some people you can call, but most of them, they ain't going to talk to you after hours because they're just having a job. They don't care really about the people. So if you are a person seeking help, check your therapists and doctors out. Ask them deep questions you need answered. Understand that it's not only your biological body that's involved. It is your biological brain, your hormones, your appetites, your concepts, your electrical, chemical, your thoughts, your feelings, and it is your spirit, your forever person. I hope I haven't been too forceful today for some reason. I have been in a lot of tears today because I hurt for the people there is hope. Most of your therapists, psychiatrists will tell you you cannot be healed from a mental health disease. Just learn to manage it and take your medicine, get some counseling, conflict resolution, and go on. But there's no hope. There's no healing. What is that going to do to you? There's no hope. There's no healing. What happened if somebody comes along and says, there is healing? Now it may take some time. You may have to change some things in your life. You may have to eat better. You may have to forgive some people. You may have to do some active things in your life. What happened if somebody comes along and says there's hope? There is healing. Now that's going to conflict with the psychiatrist. Most pastors that work with the spiritual person, we believe in healing. But it starts with the forever person and works its way on them. So, this is an interesting take today. I wanted to give you some history about the three realms. I kind of got off, but that's all. And I'll continue to go into the mental health part. And we'll get into the different topics like depression, anxiety, schizoaffective, schizophrenia, manic depressive, suicide. And get into some of those terms and what they mean. And you can go look all this up on Wikipedia. The history, it's all there. It's not hiding from you. The thing is that a pastor that works with spiritual a forever person believes in healing. He believes there's hope, and most of us are available 24 seven because I'm here for you in the nighttime when those dreams wake you up and the PTSD hits, the triggers happen, and you flip into another personality and you don't remember what you did. I have to love some of the most unloving people, the most horrendously people that have done the most evil, wicked things and believe that inside there, that spirit, that forever person, I can reach it. Now he may have to spend the rest of his life in jail, prison, may have to be executed, may die, probably will, but that forever person, I'll see him later. On the streets of gold, up in paradise. Because that part got changed, got healed. So enjoy. I'm gonna to try to get this up today. This is mental health and the forever person. The three rounds, episode two. This was Pastor Deborah Agape Love. Love is Here. Website is ww.agopi love is here you can reach me and email me at Pastor Deborah at A Love Is Here and I hope I didn't offend too many of you and I hope I did not make too many of you mad I'm a very passionate person you wouldn't know it I cry a lot I have to keep my temper down sometimes because I believe there is hope and healing And I've been on the other side with the psychiatrist and mental health. I've been there. was licensed for 10 years. Worked in it. I know the system. I know what they believe. I know the people in it. Substance abuse. I talk from both sides. Spiritual and there. There's not too many of me around. So I'm kind of unique. My job is to bring the voice of the forever person up. I tell you, there is hope. And there is love for you out there. And there is healing. And everybody is excused. And I'll let you look at the board a few minutes while I close up. Love all of you. Come back again. Please forgive me if I offended anybody. I'm a very passionate person would know it most of the time. After doing this for so long. And having to love some of the most ungodliest people. And help them to walk into paradise. I get very emotional. Because I don't believe that they're beautiful and they're loved. That there's any hope or healing for them. They have no idea. I'm after that guy. And if I can get the mental health part of them, the soul healed. And I get their biological body healed, too. That's wonderful. I had to tell you some stories about a lot of stuff I've done. I'm trying to work it in. But enjoy. Love you. Pastor Tim.